Welcome to Talk About. On Talk About, our goal is to sit down with open-minded people for open and honest discussion. No judgment, no hidden agenda, just getting the conversation started. This week, we're joined by trailblazer Julie Kell. Julie is the co-owner and operator of Brockton Haunt Coffee and Skateboard. Listen in as we discuss all things coffee, expanding into the skateboard business, and being a beacon for women, children, and the queer community. Sit back and enjoy the show. Okay, Julie, you got your drink there? Yep. All right, here's virtual cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. <laughs> drinking and coffee? What? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, and, and it was kind of funny because in my research, I was, I was looking into, it's Brockton Haunt, right? Okay, perfect. I wanted to make sure that I was saying that correctly. I, I never assume anything these days. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was doing some research on on you guys, and and uh, I realized that you are, you're serving the two types of coffees at this point, right? Pilot and uh, Sam James. Yeah, that's right. Okay, perfect. That actually fits half with exactly what's in my cupboard right now, which is Pilot. Um, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, we got a we we stumbled across Pilot probably about a year and a half ago. And we tried out a bunch of their their uh, brands, and uh, then we went out and got one of their, what is it, like a kilogram bag of Heritage? Yeah. And yeah. The, so that so that's what I'm drinking uh, today, awesome. and it's it's a staple. It's right in there with oh, yeah. a couple of other brands that that we have. What are, what are you drinking this morning? Um, I have Sam James, um, an Ethiopian, okay. um, which is awesome. But uh, the Heritage is what we've been using at the coffee shop like since day one, pretty much. It seems it on to espresso. be. Yeah, it seems to be like a really good, solid foundational coffee, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah, it's like it's so likable. Like it's such a good coffee for like anyone. You know, it's not like too adventurous or anything. So, yeah, it's a, a good all around coffee. I like it. So <laughs> we're going to get into the coffee talk. That's obviously why we're here today. Uh, before mm -hmm. we get started, I did want to thank you very much for, for spending some of your day off with me. Um, yeah, of course. So we can kind of get into this this world of coffee. I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. Um, I'm just going to assume that you're the professional here uh, <laughs> because you're you're in the industry. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope I hope I know my stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, the good thing is, is uh, I'm not with corporate or anything like that. So this is no test of of anything. <laughs> I'm basically going to blindly follow you into any corner of the coffee world that you want to go. So cool. there's, there's no, there's no right or wrong answer here, but so thank you very much. So right now you're currently working for Brockton Haunt. Yeah. Okay. And it's Brockton Haunt coffee and skateboards now. Yep. Yeah. That happened uh, during COVID actually just about like a month ago, we opened, opened the skateboard park. So uh, yeah, it's a new thing. That's pretty cool. So, so let's, let's kind of start there because I'm starting to find out that there's uh, there's intersection of coffee with different worlds. Uh, I was, mm -hmm. uh, I was up last year in Aurelia and we came across a coffee shop that has a very motorcycle theme. And oh, that's cool. I, yeah. And I said to my girlfriend, like, what is the deal with this? I didn't know that these two worlds met, but I guess they kind of do, but, and then I'm looking into you guys and I see this, not just that you call yourself a skateboard place as well, but you actually sell the, the products as well, decks, wheels, helmets. Uh, and so, and this came about through COVID. So explain mm -hmm. that to me, how, do, how does this marriage work and how does it even come to be? Well, um, like to start, I'm a skateboarder. So like there's that, but um, during COVID, you know, everything changed and we had to like kind of switch gears and all that kind of stuff. But uh, 
I just had this idea that I wanted to open a skateboard shop. I've like noticed how many people have started skateboarding in the past couple of years. Um, and even during COVID, everyone was skateboarding because it was like the one sport you could do alone and not like have to rent a gym or like anything like that. So I had the idea of opening a skate shop and I was like, where should I do it? And it was COVID and our coffee shop was like, you know, no seating, um, you know, just two people in at a time. And during COVID, we actually realized that we don't even want all the seating in our coffee shop because it's kind of like, it doesn't really like bring us money. It doesn't get used that much. It's mostly just takeout. So I was like, let's, let's do the skate shop inside the coffee shop. And then it's like, you know, good marriage, the two things. That's awesome. So this kind of actually starts with your passion. Now, I don't know much about you. We were, I was referred on to you by, by a prior guest and a good friend of mine, Adisa. Um, mm-hmm. It's sounding like this coffee shop is your coffee shop. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, um, I opened it with my mom. So over oh, eight years amazing. ago now, we opened it together. Yeah. That's amazing. Okay. So see, I, I had little information going in and that's one of the things that I actually kind of like, just like, just bare, bare minimum stuff so that I can, I can get surprised by this. So I'm actually talking yeah. to one of the bosses. This is pretty cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, well, okay. We're going to revisit the the skateboarding in a minute because that's a new thing, but let's, let's go back to the, the opening of, of Brockton. Uh, mm-hmm. You and your mom decide to open up a coffee shop. What does that conversation look like? And what <laughs> possessed you to open up a, a, a coffee shop? Well, we knew we wanted to like open a business together. And it was you know between a coffee shop and a bar. Um, but we've always had a passion for coffee. And I feel like, you know, opening a coffee shop is kind of like a fantasy or a dream for anyone. And we were like, let's let's open a coffee shop. And we we both were always kind of like searching for good coffee in Toronto, always trying to find like new coffee joints and stuff. So it made sense to open a coffee shop. And, you know, I, I like the lifestyle more of like owning a coffee shop like during the day, you know, early hours, that kind of thing. So we just went for it. That's amazing. And so eight years ago, you guys opened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. So I, I guess one of the questions that I always have with businesses that there does seem to be an abundance of is mm-hmm. how the heck do you survive in, yeah. in an industry that seems to be so flooded? Um, I, I'm massively care. Like, I mean, we're seeing that right now with the cannabis industry, which is oh, yeah. another level of ridiculousness. But yeah, how do you guys survive for eight years in, in Toronto where there is coffee shops uh, around every corner? Yeah, I mean... When we opened, there was one coffee shop kind of nearby and we were like, okay, well, we, we've got like this area like to the West. Um, but since we've opened, there's been like, honestly, like four or five coffee shops that have opened like, within a block. So, you know, everyone's got the same idea, I guess, to open a coffee shop, um, which is great for people that live around there because they have their options and like, which, you know, what they want to choose or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's not easy. It's not an easy business to be in. You need to sell a lot of coffee to make your rent. You know, coffee's not a high ticket item. So you definitely need to kind of work on your like customer relationships, making, you know, people want to come back and get those regulars and people coming back every day or a couple of times a week or whatever. So, I mean, that's the most important thing is like, well, obviously products, you know, the quality of your product, that's like the first thing. And then the second thing I think is just um, having like the good, like, you know, customer service, like the experience of getting the coffee. And that being said, you know, it is it is a very like hard industry, I would say, to be in um, because it's like such a low ticket item. And uh, but that's also kind of what sort of pushed me to open the skate shop a little bit, you know, you know, trying to like grow. You don't want to just like stay like not moving. You want to like grow and expand. And uh, that makes total sense. Just diversifying the products and what you can bring to to the customers. 
And it's, it's mm-hmm. cool that you're able to kind of tie in again, one of your other passions uh, to the coffee shop, which is awesome. So you get, yeah. you open up the coffee shop. How do you go about selecting what kind of coffee you're going to serve? Because I, I have been to some places that they offer a multitude of coffees and then others like yourselves that seem to focus in on a couple of key ones. Uh, how, mm-hmm. how does that selection process work? Um, well, in the beginning, we actually went around to different roasters, like got, got like tours and talked to people and tried the different coffees. And we were actually going to go with a different roaster in the beginning, but we ended up going with Pilot because we ended up just going over there and, and talking with the owner. And it, it just seemed like they had, they, were, they took it super seriously and they had like had a lot of extra stuff that they offered, like training our like employees on the machine and like all that kind of stuff. So we thought, you know, like they obviously like, know what they're doing and like take it super seriously and we've been carrying pilots since day one and then the sam james is just a new thing that we started carrying like maybe in december so not even a year now but yeah like honestly just i kind of chose the coffee that i liked and then that i found consistent and yeah and it's a lot easier to stay kind of with a roaster rather than like i know some people do features where it's like this month is this and this month is that but that's kind of a lot of work and then you don't really build a relationship with that like roaster you know we've built a relationship with pilot over the eight years and now i have a great relationship with sam james and yeah oh that's outstanding so you said that they train your employees on the machines what what does that mean mm-hmm. is there like a special machine that that handles the different coffees or is it just the way to process it how does that work well um so Pilot has like a basically a training lab in their roasting facility so when we hire a new barista we have the option if we want to send them to pilot, which is kind of nice for us that we don't have to train them on the, so it's an espresso machine, like just a regular espresso machine, but basically pilot like wants to be represented properly. They want everyone making their coffee consistently. So for them, it's a benefit. And then for us, it's also a benefit. So yeah, we just send our baristas there and they get um, trained on an espresso machine by like a professional uh, coffee roaster. And yeah, cause they, they want us to like pull the shots properly. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, it's and it also saves from that uh, that problem that you get into with a copy of a copy. Like you could have mm-hmm. your barista training the next barista, but exactly. you know, not to say that they wouldn't be good, but getting a mm-hmm. professional that's outstanding. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're awesome. They they take it so seriously. They know exactly what they're doing. So yeah, exactly. It's it's learning from like the right person and not learning bad habits from someone else. You know, if we just hired someone who maybe worked at a different coffee shop that just had different, you know, habits of, you know, from what we have, it just makes sense to send them somewhere where they're like going to get the proper training. That's really cool. Well, this actually leads into one of the other things that I was thinking about uh, last night as I'm like, okay, I got Julie, I got her now for <laughs> at least an hour or so. I, I want to ask all the questions. And, and sometimes when you're, when you are kind of, cause I've been a coffee fanatic for, for quite some time, I did exactly what you and your mom did kind of go all, all around the place to try to test out all the coffees. Uh, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, it started with McDonald's, uh, way back oh, yeah. in the day, but man, I, I feel like That's I've come a long place to start. <laughs> hey, it's not bad. It's not terrible. Yeah. Like it does the job, but, uh, but yeah, now, now getting into the things like pilot and, and the different coffees mm-hmm. that are around uh, the city, uh, is, has been phenomenal, but how different is the preparation of each type of coffee or each, I don't even know how you would say it, but each bean, each ground, you're saying that pilot wants you to be duplicating their taste mm-hmm. how different is it than uh, than kind of preparing a, a sam james for instance so basically as a barista you're trained 
to dial in espresso. So dialing in is basically adjusting, you know, your grind and your time and all that for that specific coffee. So a well-trained barista will be able to dial in any coffee, like Sam James Pilot or whatever. So basically, once you're trained and dialing in, you can, you know, take this new Sam James coffee, you start pulling shots, you start tasting it. It's tasting a little too bitter, so you're going to adjust your grind. It's tasting a little too sour, you want it right in the middle. So, yeah, it's basically if you're a well-trained barista, you can dial in any espresso and it doesn't matter what roaster it comes from. Wow, that's uh, that's a, that's a pretty cool skill. I mean, at home, my 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 basic setup is a French press, and I feel mm-hmm. like it took me a while to find out exactly how much I want to pour in. You know, where my where my grinds are, like how fine a grind I have, and I, mm-hmm. I'm just it's completely shot in the dark for me. But how different is it from like a coarse grind to a really fine grind? And and I guess actually, even before you answer that. How many factors are involved, like time, heat, uh, mm-hmm. grind, fineness? What, what are what are the factors that you guys look at? Um, well, with espresso, like, I mean, with every different type of brewing of coffee, it's different. So like from French press to espresso. Um, but with espresso, there is the fineness of the grind. There's the amount that comes like that you're actually using. So 18 grams or 17.8. Um, and then there's the heat of the espresso machine. Um, which it should be at a certain like temperature. And then there's the time that you pull it. So with espresso, like, you know, it might be from 25 seconds to 35 seconds. So all those different components are going to be adjusting per coffee that you dial in. So you, and it's can just be the most subtle adjustment, like just making it a tiny bit more fine or, you know, moving it from 17.8 gram, grams to 18 grams or you know, stopping it like two seconds earlier, like all those tiny little adjustments makes a difference. Wow. And, and <laughs> for a trained person, it's obviously a noticeable difference. Like this yeah, isn't, I this mean, isn't just like black magic, right? Like people aren't just making this <laughs> up. You can actually taste the difference. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you can, like, if you just like pulled a shot for like 45 seconds and tasted that or like compared to like, it was supposed to be at 30 seconds, you could taste the difference. Like it's going to be like watery and like bitter and gross. But I mean, even a good barista sometimes has trouble dialing in. They're like, I can't like figure this out. Like it's almost, it's like, like problem solving. It's like, why is it tasting this way? Like I can't figure it out. Like I've adjusted this and adjusted that. You know, there might be like two baristas there and they're like, Hey, like, let's figure it out. But yeah, definitely it is noticeable. I mean, there's a little bit of leeway, like, you know, sometimes you're not going to pull the perfect shot and you, you can't taste every shot that you give out. So you might be giving out ones that aren't perfect, but as long as you can get close to it. Um, the clientele in Toronto sometimes can be um, finicky, maybe is a good mm-hmm. way of putting it, or or very uh, precise in the things and the mm-hmm. products that they want. Uh, do you find that there there are a lot of repeat customers that are like, mm, this is off, like I can taste it, it's off, and that they're actually correct? Luckily for us, we don't have a lot of customers like that, or maybe we're just pulling awesome shots all the time. But um, I, I have a couple times, like like I can maybe twice, like where someone has brought the coffee back and been like, I think you, the, it wasn't dialed in properly or something like that. But or they maybe they just didn't like our coffee. I don't know. But um, it doesn't happen often. Um, not at least not for us. So luckily, you know, <laughs> hopefully it's just because we're making good coffee. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to say it is. I, I mean, I haven't yeah. been there yet, but I'm actually looking forward to getting back uh, down into Toronto because I'm, I'm out in Durham. So it's it's not okay, that yeah. quick of a, a jaunt. But yeah, I'm yeah. definitely looking forward to getting down there and I'll test it myself. Not that I know what the yeah. hell I'm talking like, about. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Like, Julie promised me enough. perfection. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so I mean, with that with that level of um, of accuracy and pre uh, precision that you know you're trying to represent with Pilot and obviously San James as well with your own with your own reputation as well. Uh, how often do you have to like calibrate the machines and and how does how does that work? Like you have to be on that constantly. Yeah. Um like well with the dialing in of the espresso you're going to do that like every time you start your shift make sure that the coffee's tasting right you know the times that you're probably going to write down the time but what you're when you're pulling the shots and all that um but then there's also things like changing the burrs in your grinder which maybe every six months because like the burrs will start to like wear out and not be as sharp and there's things like um the espresso machine you should get serviced you know every once in a while the um filtration system for the espresso machine is super important especially in toronto because the water is super hard so all the water that's coming in is like you have like a filter and like you should replace that depending on how busy you are like what volumes you're doing you should be replacing that every six months be a year but that is super important because if the water is not being filtered properly then the water that's going inside the espresso machine might start to um, calcify the machine and then you're in for a whole whole thing <laughs> Okay, looking back at it, how much of this stuff did you know going into this would actually be a thought? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I like literally knew zero going in. Yeah. <laughs> I knew like the like, coffee tasted good and like I wanted to make it. But like, honestly, I, I'd never worked at a, as a barista before opening the coffee shop. So it was all, all, yeah, a huge learning curve, but it was so fun learning. <laughs> That's amazing. And so, and what was the learning that you went through? Was it all on the job training? Did you go to courses? Did you get your, you know, like how, how did you kind of amass the knowledge that you have? Yeah. So we had a, like a coffee consultant. So we had this guy who was like um, a really good barista, I think a manager um, at a coffee shop. And I think he was even a competitor in competitions, but uh, he was our coffee consultant. So he was actually suggesting which roasters to try for us, like to see which one we wanted. And then he also did a coffee cupping with us. Um, and then he trained us when we got our espresso machine, like in the, in the shop, he trained us on our machine, like a whole day of training, like learning how to dial in and all that. Um, and then we also did training at pilot, like on their espresso machines. So yeah, it was just a lot of, a lot of learning, but it was super fun to learn because, you know, it was a brand new world to me. And yeah. That's... And then obviously just as we like opened, we got more like better at the flow of like how, like making the coffee faster and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we did a lot of like pre-training. That's a, that's amazing to, especially with the relationship that you develop with pilot to be able to mm -hmm. kind of learn in their facilities. And I, I didn't know, I'm so, I'm, I'm actually just starting to understand roasters a little bit in the city. So I, I they're still kind of a foreign entity to me. Uh, coffee just mm -hmm. ends up in a coffee shop and and I drink it. I don't even know yeah, <laughs> how that totally, works. So it's yeah. cool to Most see people, that. Yeah. yeah, they've got like a lab down there and technicians and like, this is a mm -hmm. serious, serious industry, isn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. And like people, you know, some people take it super seriously and, you know, some people just crush their coffee and they don't like take it so seriously, but yeah, that pilot takes it super seriously. They even have like a, a, a tasting bar. So you could go in and I mean, I don't know if it's open during COVID, but uh, you can go in and you can see like their menu of what coffees they have on offering. And then you can they'll like um, brew it. If you want espresso, if you want to do pour over, like they'll brew it however you want. So you can taste it like in different ways and stuff like that. So they take wow. it super seriously. That's very cool. Um, so let's talk about storage. Let's talk about at-home tips that people can can utilize, uh, myself included, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> because 
you know, we, we order whole beans or we, we buy whole beans and then we grind them. And sometimes you've got leftover grinds. So you just kind of throw them in a container. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, the setup that I have is I have my beans in the bag, uh, as it were, say the pilot bag. And then I kind of pour out a little bit into a glass container or a glass sealed jar that's in a cupboard. And then I also have some metal tins that I throw the extra grinds in. I don't know that that is the optimal way to keep my coffee. Um, I, I do like to pretend that I understand the difference or taste the difference, but is there a, a good way to be able to store beans, treat beans, store the grinds afterwards? Um, and yeah, could you, can you share any tips on that? Yeah. Um, well, basically um, like, you're, yeah, you should, if you can just grind when you need it, um, that's going to be like the best taste in coffee. It's super fresh then. So just, you know, grind as you need, but obviously yeah, there's going to be extra grinds or whatever, basically just storing it airtight. So whether that's even your whole beans or your grinds airtight, out of sunlight, out of the fridge, just, you know, on the counter or whatever. Um, but yeah, as long as it's airtight and like in a, you know, it could be like in a Tupperware container or whatever, but also the bag that the beans come with, like with Pilot, that's a great bag to just keep the beans in. Like it has a seal, like we kind of want it sealed. And it also has a little like uh, gas valve. So if the beans are releasing gas, they can, they can get out. But um, mm-hmm. other than that, like to keep beans like freshest longest is just airtight. That's like the best you can do. Okay. And, and, like, and some people I... put, I was gonna say, some people put their beans in the freezer. Um, I don't think, I, to me, I, I don't think that does anything like, yeah, I think yeah. you just want it like room temperature. <laughs> yeah. I wonder about that as well, because uh, I'm a cigar smoker and, you know, over the years that I've, I've heard that, you know, some people like, if you have extra cigars, just throw them in the freezer. But uh, I've learned and, and I don't even know if it's the truth or if it's people's preferences, but it seems to sap them and dry them out anyways for even mm. when you take them out. So I wondered if it was the same process with coffee, because I had heard about that as well. Just store some extra beans in the freezer. Um, but mm-hmm. I never did it. I just figured that that process of thawing out would, would harm the beans. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not like the right thing to do. I mean, if your beans are already still and sure, put them in the freezer, but like yeah. they're fresh beans, you want them to just rain fresh. You don't want to freeze them. Yeah. I, I like uh, pilots bags, like, you know, with that, with the, uh, the vent, I didn't realize that that vent was there to release gas. You said the beans will release gases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like freshly roasted beans are going to be like releasing gases. So that valve is there to like, let it out. Okay. See, I always thought it was just so you can smell it and be like, Oh man, I really like the, uh, I really like the aroma of this beans. Yeah. Which... I mean, it's good for that too. <laughs> but they yeah. all kind of sound the same to, or they all kind of smell mm-hmm. similarly anyways to me. Yeah. They right? just smell like coffee. <laughs> smell like coffee, delicious, beautiful coffee. <laughs> what is it about coffee? This is the thing that's always blown my mind. What is it about coffee that sometimes makes the the taste so much different than the smell is it sometimes just the way that you process it because sometimes I like smell the coffee and like oh my god this like you said smells like every other beautiful coffee out there and then you taste Mm -hmm. it you're like oh god this does not smell like it tastes I think it's always going to smell different than a taste no matter what that's even like when someone's cooking dinner you know it smells sometimes it smells so good and it doesn't taste as good but like it always just is a different experience like smelling like the aromas is like another experience and like I mean, that's even why people say it's better to drink a coffee in a mug because you are smelling it as you drink it. So it's like a whole nother experience that you're like actually like taking it all in um, mm-hmm. rather than like a coffee lid on your coffee. Yeah. I mean, also like if it smells good and it doesn't taste good, like possibly it could be being pulled wrong or like, you know, processed wrong or whatever, brewed wrong. Um, 
but yeah, yeah I, I even sometimes say like the first few shots of espresso that I pull in the morning I'm like because you know you get to the shop and the coffee has been brewed all night so then the first few shots that I pull in the morning I'm like oh my god like the smell is so good and I'm like the smell is almost better sometimes than the taste like I just it's just so strong in the morning you know and like because like the shop was just quiet all night and I pulled the first few shots and I was like oh that's that's good oh that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. The, um, the thing that I've always uh, been confused by when it comes to coffee is when we're talking about espresso beans and we're talking about single origins and multiple or like the, these are things that I have no idea about. Um, <laughs> because sometimes it seems like, oh, okay, well, here's an espresso bean, but you can make a full cup of coffee with that. <laughs> Can you kind of talk about the differences when it comes to uh, like an espresso bean versus a coffee bean or, or am I even thinking about yeah. that correctly? No. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of people ask that question. Basically, I mean, it's all coffee, it, you know, it's all coffee beans. Um, if they say espresso, so if you're buying it from like a grocery store and it says espresso, it's probably ground for espresso. And um, it might be like really like robust, like full bodied kind of coffee, like maybe a dark roast, but with pilot and Sam James, like I tell people you can brew this however you want. Like it's a good coffee and like it might do better on espresso than it might on, you know, drip, but you, it'll taste like the coffees are so good that you can brew them anyway. Like with heritage, you know, it's the pilots like main espresso bean. However, you know, you're brewing it on French press and it's amazing. So like pilot tries to like make an effort to make sugar beans are like brewed can be brewed in any way. Um, but some coffees are not going to do very well on espresso. Like they might, if you're at, you know, making a latte, they might not be able to cut through the milk. So like the, the, the taste is just not strong enough to like be in a latte. Um, oh. Or maybe the coffee's too fruity and people won't want it like in a cappuccino because it's kind of tastes weird, like, you know, milk and like a fruit taste or whatever. So it's kind of like you can brew with them any way you want, but there might be a certain way that it is best for. Does that make sense? It actually makes complete sense because with, with our exploration of different um, types of coffees and uh, I guess different, I don't even know how you say it, but the, the different intensities from the, uh, from the, the lighter kind that the, the really acidic coffees to the most bold mm -hmm. coffees and everything in between, I can definitely say, <clears throat> excuse me, that a fruity coffee would not taste good in, you know, mixed in with mm -hmm. milk, right? Like yeah. you wouldn't drink a glass of milk with, with <laughs> your, <laughs> you yeah. know, with pineapple, your, that'd be disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and like, I mean, classically too, I think um, dark roast were always used on espresso, like, you know, like Italian coffee and stuff like that, just because it is so strong and like, it can like cut through the milk or whatever. But nowadays it's kind of, you know, not dark roast isn't as popular. It's like people are all about the light roast, the mediums and yeah. What do you think has driven that? Is it just people's preferences or just shifts in the market or people that don't really like coffee that have found a way to drink coffee and, and have something that's not as, you know, uh, bold and kicking them in the mouth? I th well, I think like the quality of coffee is just like so high now, like in like the, you know, the way people are roasting and stuff, like it, the quality is just like so much better than it was probably like in the nineties or whatever. So in the nineties, it was like all about dark roasts. Um, and I think people thought like, oh, it's so strong. It's so good. Like a dark roast tastes super strong and bitter and I think people are like ah oh, yeah like this is like a nice strong coffee but you know when you start to get into the dark roast you start to like if you over roast it you're like losing any flavor and you're just really tasting that like bitterness whereas with like light roast 
you know, they might not be as like strong tasting, but you're going to taste more of those actual like flavors and the notes and stuff. And maybe more of like the nut, the nuttiness or the like citrus or whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, it is like this style is like not dark roast anymore. However, I think it's also about just people being able to like roast coffee a lot better than they used to. It makes sense. The quality thing is is such a valuable uh, piece of information because again, you know, when I first started on my journey with it, it was all the main coffee shops starting off with McDonald's. And then, you know, like, why does everybody like Tim Hortons? I'll try them and all these different things. And they all start to taste the same after a while. And then you get into the really high quality stuff and you can, you can taste the difference. And, And I don't pretend to be one of those super tasters, but you can definitely taste the difference in a high quality bean, which is, uh, hmm. which is remarkable to me. Yeah. And it's like, so it's cool. like, once you have that, you like, can't, can't really go back. Like I have an auntie by Coleman, um, Saskatoon who like, she doesn't like fancy things. Like she was just drinking like Folgers. And then I sent her some heritage coffee and now she's like, you know, she's like, you ruined me. Now I can't go back. Like, I can't just get like this, like grocery store coffee. Like, you know, once you've had the good coffee, it's so hard to go back and like, or if I go like to someone's house or, you know, out for brunch or something and the coffee is not good. I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to be that person, but like, this is so not satisfying. <laughs> I know. It's like, you, you, you can't go back after. You definitely can't. And and sometimes it is a concern if you if you do have a, a certain taste that you want from your coffees. I, I'm also the type of person who tries to limit my caffeine intake, you know, so I try to have my mm-hmm. like one cup a day and I, I and during the week it's in the morning. Most of the time it's in the morning. Um, so if I'm going to sacrifice, you know, or if I'm going to spend my time and a cup of coffee, it better be a damn good cup of coffee. <laughs> exactly you know that's (laughs) you touched on something that's really really cool when it came to how you drink your coffee this is a conversation that i was having with people over the years when i would say you know i can taste the difference when i drink it out of a certain type of a cup or you know like the contigos those tins versus a mug versus the Mm -hmm. store and even the lids themselves and and you kind of you kind of cooperated that a little bit yeah yeah i mean like definitely like when you drink just like straight espresso, like, you know, you don't really want to take it in a takeout cup for one, because it's silly. It's such a small drink. You don't need to waste a cup, but also two, you want to like, kind of like swish it around, maybe smell it. And, you know, it's, it's just better like in a mug, you know, it's going to keep it warmer longer in a, in a ceramic mug. Like if you are using a mug, the ceramic is the best um, type of mug to use. And if you're drinking like a mug of coffee, like you can actually smell it when you're like bringing it up to your face. So it's, kind of like making more of an experience out of it and you're getting more of like the aromas and the flavors through that so I think it does make a difference you know if you just have a, a coffee cup from the coffee shop with the plastic lid on it it's probably it's gonna taste good but it, it's it's just a little bit of a different experience that's cool yeah I always think about condensation building up on mm-hmm. you know inside lids and and watering it down um, yeah I don't know if that's something that I just thought was a thing it actually isn't but yeah I mean, I haven't really thought about that, but that's true, I guess. Yeah. And even just the coffee being in like a paper cup with a plastic lid, you know, I don't know how much of a difference it makes, but compared to like a ceramic, you know, mug, you're not drinking out of something that's plastic, you know? Yeah, very true. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's kind of come a little more current day. Um, COVID unfortunately hits a year and a half ago, disrupts everybody. Um, your coffee shop now that's, you know, six and a half, seven years into the business. What are you thinking? What, what happens to you guys until, you know, the co- like, we'll get into the, 
uh, skateboarding. Um, but, but what, what's going through your mind at that point in time? Well, yeah, obviously in the beginning, I was, everything was so uncertain. Like, you know, no one knew exactly what was happening, but in the beginning, um, when everything started closing, we like eventually closed. And then I started actually doing home delivery for coffee beans. So, you know, my customers were making bean orders and I just go and deliver it and stuff. So that was actually kind of cool to like switch gears like that and not just like be like making all these coffees, just bringing people their beans and like, you know, and like our customers, I think like really appreciated it because it was like during that time, everything was so uncertain, but at least they like still had their like, you know, like their their coffee from like their coffee shop or whatever. Um, I kind of like doing the deliveries, but it was a lot of work. Obviously I had never done delivery before. And, um, and it, you know, we made a little bit of money at least like during that, but like, wasn't like what it used to be. Um, and then eventually we started serving again. We had like a takeout window, um, just like at our door. So people couldn't come in and we, it was like, we serve them and then run around the coffee machine, make the coffee, go back and like serve it to them. So it was kind of cool that people could do like a little, like walk up like window thing, but that was also a lot of work because, you know, we weren't set up to do a takeout window. And yeah, and also during this time, like once we actually opened again, doing the takeout stuff, we just had limited hours. We were only open to like two. And then we slowly, like, as it got colder, like, you know, come the fall, we couldn't really do like the the doorway thing anymore because it was just too cold, like in the shop for us. So we eventually then uh, just had like, you know, one or two people in this store at a time doing takeout, which we're so grateful that we are in the coffee business. Like it already is a takeout business, you know, and luckily we're, we're able to like serve people pretty much the whole time. Like we can do takeout that, that was allowed. So we're like, wow, thank God we're like, we are in a takeout business. But yeah, that, that being said though, you know, we had to shorten our hours. We had no staff. It was just my mom and I, you know, it wasn't like what it used to be. Not, not as many people coming. Yeah. But we're just grateful that we were able to survive and still like, you know, and not only is it a takeout business, but it's also a business that people do every day. You know, it's not like a, a fine dining experience where you do that maybe once a month or something. It's like coffee is consistent. People want it every day. It's not going to stop from pandemic, you know, like they still want their coffee. And, and also it was like kind of a cool thing that most people were working from home, but in their one like outing for the day was coming to the coffee shop and like seeing another human and having that interaction and stuff. Like a lot of people, I think like they really appreciated it. They were like, you know, like it was just kind of like something like a piece of like normalcy, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, I think people were, I know I was clamoring for those, those little pieces of normalcy or, and Mm -hmm. I was finding because my girlfriend was actually living in Leslieville uh, earlier mm-hmm. this year for, for about six months. And uh, I was finding that the local businesses were, were even more attentive, uh, to the customers because for obvious reasons, and I know the pessimists would say, of course, they're going to be, they want your money, but in actuality, you start to really see the, the personal natures of, of people and businesses. And mm-hmm. for me as a customer, I know it's not good for business, but for me as a customer, I really liked that personal approach. You know, I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like a number walking into a place and it's like, okay, you take your time. You're the one person here right now because you're the only one who can be. Uh, And Mm -hmm. you kind of get like a bit of a a personal experience, which is is pretty astounding. So um, although I didn't get a chance to make it down to to the haunt uh, during that time, uh, it sounds like you were doing the, the very same thing as I was experiencing. So that that's pretty amazing. Was there a point in time where you and your mom were, were sitting there going, nah, I don't think this is going to work? Like, did you contemplate closing down? Um, well, in the beginning, like when the pandemic hit and everything was kind of up in the air and like all the business, like we were just like watching each business, like close its doors, close its doors, you know, and we we're like, well, no one's 
told us to close our doors. So we kind of stayed open for a while. And then eventually we're like, okay, this is getting scary. Like close your doors. And then like, you know, it did cross our minds like, well, what are we going to do? Like, should we just pull out now and like, you know, sell? Like it was like, wait, should we? But it didn't like really cross our minds. It was more just scary. Like how are you going to get through this? And then we had to apply for like, you know, government grants to help with our rent um luckily like our landlord he did the uh, rent subsidies thing for us in the beginning so that helped a ton because you know obviously our sales were like way down so that was super helpful and like having those things actually like made it like more bearable we didn't like really consider closing at all we're like we can get through this like you know yeah it didn't really cross our minds we, we were also my mom, my mom and I are like pretty like stubborn we're like no we're not gonna close <laughs> like we're gonna like get through this so that's great, though, because I mean, like a lot of people, you know, you you open up BlogTO or any other any other uh, source in, in the city and all you hear constantly is this landlord is a nightmare and the government is terrible and another business closes. But you're actually saying that the process helped you uh, and you were, mm-hmm. you, I mean, to be surrounded with a landlord who was willing to work with you as well. That's, yeah. that's quite invaluable. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to hear a success story in that in that realm mm-hmm. um yeah is- for sure we're so lucky with our landlord like he was willing to like and he doesn't you know he doesn't want the space to be empty now he's gonna have to rent it and he's gonna have to like clean it and like probably reno and all that so like you know and we've had a good relationship for eight years so it, we're we're lucky that you know he's pretty awesome that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, speaking, I, I have a couple of rental properties and uh, you, like if you have a good tenant, man, they're worth their weight in gold, even if you have to kind of yeah. take a bit of a cut here and there. Right. So yeah, that's, totally. that's pretty awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we, we weather the storm, you figure things out and then you decide that you're going to diversify the shop and you're going to bring in, mm-hmm. bring in one of your other passions, which is skateboarding. So mm-hmm. talk me through that. What's uh, what, what are you hoping to do with this? Well, um, so yeah, basically like it was almost like, uh, like an epiphany, like during COVID when everything shut down and I was starting to like skateboard a lot again. And like, I hadn't really been skateboarding a ton in the past few years, but I was starting to get back into it. And like when everything shut down, I was like looking to buy a new deck online and, um, yeah, cause all the stores were closed. You had to buy online and I couldn't really like, I was like, Oh, there's not that many skate shops in Toronto and I can't really find a deck that I like. And then it was just kind of like, I should open a skate shop. Um, also, because I've noticed like such an explosion in the, like in skateboarding, especially among, among women and like, you know, kids and like the queer community and stuff, which I thought like there's definitely a place for like a woman owned skate shop in Toronto. So I kind of had that idea. And uh, I used to work at a skate shop back home. I'm from Saskatchewan, Saskatoon. Um, so I worked at one back home like when I was like 19 um, and my, my buddy owned the shop and so I kind of had like a feel for a skate shop, like um, how to work there and all that kind of stuff. And and then I like asked my buddy who owns the shop back home, like what he thought about it. He was like, yeah, he's like, that's a great idea. Like you'll be like one of the, like the first of its kind, like, you know, woman owned, queer owned in Toronto. He was like, you should do it. <laughs> but he's like, but be prepared. It's a lot of work. He's like, it's a lot of work. I'm like, okay. Um, but that, I had that idea like right around like last like March, I would say. Um, like right, right around when like COVID hit it was almost like a fantasy I'm like I'm not gonna actually do this like kind of almost and and then it was on the back burner for a long time because you know we're also trying to keep the coffee shop going and, you know it, like the, it was just so much work to like keep it alive and um you know it was just my mom and I working so I was always you know working around the clock and stuff and but like with COVID it was 
you know, it really kind of put like kind of like the fire under my butt too, because we're only making so much money. We can't like as a coffee shop, you can't really get any more customers. Like they are all, they know we're there. You know what I mean? Like it's like the community knows we're there. So to like grow as a business, what do you do? You can't just like, you can't be like, can you buy more coffee? So either you want to like add something. So even during COVID, I did like, we did add like extra things, you know, like um, we were doing like pizza kits and like more like pantry items and stuff like that where people, you know, they're going to spend a little more money each visit. Maybe they're going to add that into their like whatever. Like I was trying to do that. And then I was thinking about the skate shop. And then, yeah, like in this past winter, I was like, okay, like, let's, let's go for this. Like, I'm actually going to like put like the pedal to the metal and like actually do it. So yeah, like this past winter, I started just sending out emails and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, like I was saying before, we had all the tables upstairs at the coffee shop that, you know, no one's been inside the coffee shop, like seated for over a year. We're like, we don't even know if we want to go back to, you know, because that there was like five tables at like the back of the shop. That people just you know sit there and like work on their laptop or whatever, which is nice, like or have like a, you know a meeting or whatever. But if we want to grow as a business, we gotta like actually like use that space. So yeah, then I started like building up there. I got like a display case and um, ordering product and all that kind of stuff. So so far it's been been pretty awesome. We opened the skate shop, I guess four weeks ago now, like a month ago, and the other response has been awesome. That's outstanding. I mean, first of all. Congratulations. That's uh, to, <laughs> to be the first of, you know, like to be a trailblazer that way, especially mm-hmm. in a city like Toronto, who, you know, who seems to have their finger in everything. Uh, there's, mm-hmm. there's a shop out there for everything. There's a business for everything for you to be in the queer community, female owned business and getting into skateboarding. And skateboarding was big when I was a kid. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a young man. So to see skateboarding coming back, um, that's, oh, yeah. I mean, and, and the climate of the world today and the acceptance and the promoting of different communities, especially in Toronto, that's outstanding. So congratulations. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. So now you, t- you talked to your friend, your friend said it's, it's a crazy business. It's a, it's a lot of work. Um, but you just walked through starting a business, uh, in the coffee industry, uh, which you didn't know anything about. So I have to imagine that your knowledge of skateboarding is probably on the same level as your knowledge of coffee when you first started. What makes the co- what makes the skateboarding industry so difficult? Like, what was your friend talking about when it said to that, and when he when he talked about that? Um, like just like I think what he was saying was it's a lot of work. Like it's constant, like pre-booking your product for your thinking ahead, booking for the next spring, like next summer, like all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of like a constant, like always thinking about what's next kind of stuff and and like obviously like as any business it's just there's so much that goes into it like even just you know the bookkeeping or like that you know all those things so it's not only that but then it's also all the skateboard stuff and all the like booking and it's definitely way different than the coffee business so I have like had a lot to learn about like you know how to email like a rep or like how to order product and all that because it's not the same as coffee but uh I mean I do know like quite a bit about the actual skateboard stuff like and all that so I already knew that going in and um but now it's just all these like nuances that I have to learn and how things work and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's been like it is a lot of work but so far it's I like really like it it's super fun that's awesome well I'll I'll ask the uh, the obvious question what do you like most about expanding into the skateboarding business so far probably like the response that I've gotten like from the community like so many people are so excited about it. Like everyone's like, this is awesome. And they come in and 
I've met so many new people. Like I can just tell when someone walks in the door that they're not like, they didn't come to the coffee shop just for the coffee shop. They like came to the skateboard shop. So it's so cool. Like I've met so many amazing people and everyone's so encouraging. Like, like even in the skateboard scene, like people are like so much more encouraging than they used to be, which is so nice to see. Like, you know, lots of beginners are out there and it's just been so cool. Like meeting a lot of like really nice people. And yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, you you mentioned that there seems to be an uptick of female skate skaters. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that's kind of led to that more acceptance? And like, not to you know draw draw a gender line, but I mean, I mm-hmm. speaking as a male, it's not as collaborative sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> growing up, like I grew up skateboarding, so like I started when I was like six or something or seven, and um as I got older there was no girls to skateboard with anymore so I kind of didn't really skateboard that much because I didn't have anyone to skate with or like someone at the same level as me or whatever um but now it's like so many of my friends skateboard and it's literally like my dream come true like we'll meet up and there's like five girls skating together I'm like this is awesome (laughs) um and yeah just it's so much more like it's so encouraging and like there's so many beginners now too so it's like just it's nice to even watch someone who's a beginner and watching them learn they're like did their first like kick turn and we're like, woo, good job. Like everyone's just like so stoked for each other. It's, it's really nice. That's outstanding. So you're, you're kind of getting into the community. This isn't just a business, which is fascinating to me because you've actually blown my mind with this. When I was looking at your <laughs> website, I'm looking, I'll go, okay, that's cool. Hey, listen, a lot of businesses expand, a lot of business diversify. So that way they can make money. It makes a lot of sense. She's a business oriented person or they're a business oriented person. Mm-hmm. And now you're telling me that uh, you're actually expanding into a community, which is, which is outstanding. That's, that's such a cool approach with that. What are you hoping to do on a community level now that you're kind of tapped into that and you're, you're seeing that response? Yeah. I mean, I hope to do a lot of like community events and like that kind of thing. Like that's sort of also my goal with the skate shop is like, you know, kind of like offer support to people, you know, if they're intimidated or they're shy or they like need like a community to belong to or whatever. Like I hope to host, I I don't think events are actually like allowed right now. So once they are allowed, I definitely want to host like, um, like skate events at the skate park where like, you know, it'll be like, anyone's welcome. Maybe there's some bands playing and like, we're like selling, maybe we're selling coffees there or whatever. So definitely want to do like some really fun events, um, where like everyone's welcome and, um it'll be just a good time and then I also want to be able to like organize um like I probably wouldn't, won't do it myself but like have the support for people to take lessons so that they can come to us and like I can like point them to the right direction or like actually like you know offering that kind of like outreach to people where they can learn how to skateboard and like they can come to us and like I'll like point them in the right direction and that kind of thing and like I also would like to do events at, at the shop Uh, when that's allowed (laughs) um you know like maybe do like video premieres so like you know in the evening time we have like a projector and like you know premiere like a skate video or whatever and yeah i think that would be really cool especially this uh this day and age with technology being so user-friendly uh cell phones and you know head cams and all that and and people are always kind of shooting their own little videos that that seems Mm -hmm. like a, a natural progression which is awesome now when it comes to the skateboarding product themselves are like how does that do you, do you work with a partner similar similar to like the coffee industry or is this something that you're kind of doing in house how does the product come together so yeah with the skateboard industry um basically there's like distributors within Canada who carry certain brands so like one distributor might have like 20 brands and then I'm, I'm like I want some of those brands so I'm going to like try and get an account with that distributor 
and then there's you know there's there's a few and they each carry different brands so I kind of just have to choose which distributors I want to go with and see if they'll even like open me an account um so yeah like right now I'm just I have like a rep at each distributor and uh I order through them and through their website and, and I pick and choose what I carry like you know all the boards that I carry I literally choose each one so um it's like you know curated by me and uh, it's super fun ordering it too because I'm like it's just fun like looking at all like the different skateboard graphics and designs and um like I chose all the brands that I want to carry you know there's certain ones that I could carry but I choose not to or whatever so it's interesting like learning all of that and how to like go about ordering and all that kind of stuff yeah you must be like a kid in a candy store (laughs) oh yeah when the shipments come, like, it's like, it's so exciting. It's like, we get to like open the box and stuff and like, look at all like the skateboards and like the stickers and the wheels and stuff. And like, that's half the fun with skateboarding is like the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like shooting yeah. Like, your stuff. Oh my God. That's amazing. And and I have noticed on your social media that it's, uh, there's been an uptick as well um, in your activity, I guess, with the, with the skateboard uh, sh- uh, mm-hmm. segment starting up and your, your advertising clothes on there and obviously the coffee itself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to wrap up with this because I, I want, I want to put the business and yourself and your mom, of course, I don't want to forget about mom, uh, put mm-hmm. the business at the <laughs> forefront. But what what's upcoming for for Brockton in the next uh, few months? I know that things are still a little bit in the air as to what's going to happen with this this pandemic. But uh, mm-hmm. what's happening with you guys? What can people look forward to seeing from you or how can they even come down and consume the products that you guys mm-hmm. offer? Um, well, in the near future, we'll, we'll be like dropping some new like shop shirts. So like, we have like Brockton Haunt, like branded like clothing and stuff, which is like people have really liked. Um, and then we have shop decks coming. So like Brockton shop boards and uh, just more stuff like coming out. Like as we grow, we're going to be like carrying more apparel, um, hopefully shoes soon and that kind of stuff. So just like really growing like the like skateboard side, but also like the apparel and stuff. So it's, you know, you just you don't have to skateboard to like you know, shop here or anything like that. So just like growing as, as on the skateboard side. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, cause to be honest, I'm not getting on a skateboard ever again. I <laughs> yeah. think I was on it for about 15 minutes when I was younger and I just had a fat board and I mean, I was a little fat kid too. So it worked out really well, but I mean the shirts and stuff like that, that's, that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So people know what they're buying. Uh, two things come to mind. One, you say that you'll have decks that are, are uh, branded are they mm-hmm. going to be the same quality decks as they would get from, you know, buying, you know, a, a crazy face or, or whatever other uh, uh, image they want on there? Um, yeah. So basically like shop decks are like most skate shops will have shop decks and they're like more of like an affordable choice for your customer, which is like great for them. Like a lot of people only buy shop decks, but also good for the shop owner because it's also advertising and definitely like the, the quality will be there. Um, compared to a, a pro board or whatever. Um, but uh, like, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to get shop decks unless they were good quality. So like I got a recommendation from my friend and who, he's been doing this for years. So um, I wouldn't sell them if they weren't good. Cause I don't want people being like this board sucks or anything. So um, yeah, definitely the quality will be there. And then, and then the nice thing, yeah, it's a price point board for people. That's great. Yeah. Because I always get that in the back of my mind, you know, it's like, oh, okay, this is their branded thing. So it's probably cheap. So it's nice to know that, that people there and people will know, um, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the people who are just kind of getting started. Um, and then if somebody is going to be promoting the haunt, 
Tell me why the name. Um, I want to. I'm curious to how how the name came to be and and why you guys decided on that. So that way, when people are repping it, they know the origins of of that name. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Brockton uh, is in Brockton Village, so we kind of wanted to embrace like the community that we were building a coffee shop in, and then the word haunt um, is kind of like an old fashioned word, which I think they use more in Saskatchewan where we're from, um, but it's you know, if someone says like, oh, like want to meet at the haunt, it's a place that you keep going back to, or you're like your hangout, um, like a place you keep frequenting. So you can you use it like, oh, like I go to my haunt or meet at the haunt. Um, so yeah, it's like kind of an old fashioned word. If you look up the, the word in the dictionary, you'll, you'll see like, you know, haunt, like a ghost haunting. And then you'll see like a place you keep frequenting or um, a place that animals come to for shelter and water and food which is also cool because that's kind of like what we are. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant. That yeah. That's outstanding, Julie. Um, I think <laughs> I'm going to end it there because that, that was uh, more than I had bargained for. Um, <laughs> cool. and, and it was, it was all amazing. And, and the, the fact that you guys are doing what you're doing right now uh, is, is outstanding. Um, I'm looking forward to continuing to watch the way you guys are going to, are, are going to grow this thing. Um, yeah. It you. sounds like you're onto some, some really cool things. So uh any last words before we I let you get on with your day? Um, no, just uh, thank you for having me and uh, hope to see you for a coffee soon at the coffee shop. I, you definitely will. Um, like I said, my girlfriend and I are avid coffee drinkers. So now, now that I actually see your face and you know what my face looks like, well, it'll be covered, mm-hmm. I guess, somewhat. <laughs> True, but, yeah. uh, no, it's, it's been absolutely my pleasure. So again, thank you very much again for sitting down with me. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, chatting with you in person. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Bye. 